Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, hello, America. Welcome to another edition of The Sea Report coming to you live on this happy Memorial Day, May 31st, 2021. I hope everyone is doing well. And I also hope that um, um, we are finding ourselves having a great day. So, uh, yep, today's uh, today is Memorial Day. We've had a pretty long weekend. For some, it was a four, three, four day weekend. For others, it wasn't. <laughs> We've been uh, keeping our heads to the grind and doing what we do. Of course, in honor and celebration of all the festivities that was happening this past Memorial Day weekend, I think I think they were justly so. Anyhow, uh, welcome to again another another edition. We are coming to you guys live on the Foxhole app, on Twitch, and on D Live, and uh, we're wishing everyone well this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, or sorry, Memorial Day. I apologize. Still still lagging from the Memorial Day weekend. But anyhow, guys, I know you all are doing great out there, and thank you all for tuning in. Um, so we'll go ahead and get straight into our C report. First of all, like we like to do usually here. We will do a little chat recap. As soon as my fingers stop being butterfingers, we'll get also we'll get ourselves going on that. So we had a pretty live. We did like what three extra shows than we normally do this past uh, weekend. Um, of course, just you know, um, kind of like uh, um, bouncing off the uh, energy of what was going on in Dallas, Texas. If any of you guys did not get to check that out. Um, I hope you do. Uh, that was the uh, Forgotten Country um, Dallas, Texas Patriot Roundup. Uh, several speakers uh, from uh, citizens of the internet, I guess you could say, digital warriors, all the way up to uh, to real generals in the fight, like Michael Flynn, General Michael Flynn, and Sidney Powell, among many other people there. Now, I, I do know that they had launched something called MAGAinfo.tv. Um, which I suppose would be uh, a new kind of like TV network or channel where you can stay up to date with uh, Patriot News and other things. So I would encourage everyone who's interested to head over in that direction, MAGAinfo.tv, to get uh, more information on what they're doing over there and everything else like that. And then, of course, um, <clears throat> in lieu of that, yeah, we did like what? We did like three extra shows here at the Sea Report. We're not usually a weekend outfit, not at least for the Sea Reports, but had a great, great time hanging out with uh, everyone in the family and the crew. And then uh, last night, we also did a watch party for the movie Shadowgate, which I think was uh, pr pretty appropriate when we're talking about unifying uh, the Patriot and the America First uh, movement, as well as delivering some, um, you know, pretty critical information that might have been looked over in the wake of that uh, movie being banned. So awesome, awesome, altogether a very good time, I think. But let me go ahead and let's start this chat. Now, I'm not going to recap all of the chat, uh, because for sure, <laughs> 
actually it was asked of me not to recap certain parts of the chat but uh what i do want to do head up is uh send my thanks to those who have sent gold pill donations over to the c report now if you're watching on twitter or if you're uh, not, I keep saying Twitter, if you're watching on Twitch, or if you're watching over at DLive, and you're wondering what the heck is a gold pill? What is this? Uh, what is this individual talking about? Uh, well, that's over at the foxhole.app. Uh, I guess it's a new it's a new system that they've set up um, where viewers can show appreciation towards content creators, and not just that, even towards themselves. Um, over at pills.net, the foxhole.app. It's 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 a pretty cool system, guys. It's a pretty cool system. And uh, I think that uh, they're really paving the way for individuals who are America first minded patriots, lovers of the country uh, to go ahead and get away from all of these uh, these platforms that just want to censor and control. And that's uh, probably why I feel most endeared to this type of um, application, the foxhole.app, I mean, is because of the fact that uh, we have we as content creators have the ability to do what we want. Of course, you you know, like there had been a uh, there had been a notice that came across my desk, and I say across my desk, guys, like it was in my email box. Okay, don't take it so seriously, right? Okay, <laughs> but there was a notice that came across my desk uh, from Twitch, I think, that was talking about how they're going to start cracking down on um, the music content that uh, content creators use there. Now, of course, if you're someone in my boat and, you know, you haven't really, uh, you don't really um, have a huge following, you don't have uh, hundreds of thousands of supporters, um, I guess they would think, well, someone like little old Mr. C will use the music of other people to boost their numbers. But I mean, not really. <laughs> no one's listening anyway. I'm not making any money. But, uh, you know, that, I think that's the reasoning. Uh, it goes into like, you know, the whole pirating of music and stuff like that. And um, so I guess that's why, just like YouTube did, ScrewTube and other platforms, they're probably going to start uh, really coming down on that. So who wants to work in an environment like that? You know, I'm aware of most of the copyright laws. Um, what I already know, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't obviously be playing full songs on any of my reports, but still even clips will get you banned. So, and that's just one small piece of the censorship. We're not even talking about the political censorship. We're not talking about uh, the inability to speak our truth or even speak our hearts, speak our opinions on matters like the COVID vaccine, uh, um, the, the 2020 presidential election. Uh, dare we barely even word, uh, utter the word Trump, you know, without going under um, a microscope to ensure that we're not, you know, uh, spreading scams, shams, and false stories, right? So, hey, Liz Garcia, how are you doing over there? I see you there in the Twitch. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Um, and uh, I hope you're able to watch the end of the C Report as well, Miss uh, Miss Liz. Good to see you there. Always glad to have you along. Let me go ahead and thank some of the donors that were uh, donating gold pills to the report before I get into it. Bales, many thanks. Plant Patriot, Napkinator79, Carrie Lakes, Live Park 2020 times Doe. Tinette Booth, J-Bell, and I know I'm missing someone. I didn't pull up all of my, it might have been just V, just V, I, it was you, just V. So thank you again for 
showing your support. I really do appreciate that. Um, um, it's, it's always great when someone can lend you that type of support. And I do have to say also, um, I, I, I mean, like I said, Sea uh, Report's a small outfit. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't move mountains over here by any means. But uh, I also wanted to extend, extend a thank you uh, to a viewer by the name of Mark um, for sending over, believe it or not, guys, it was my very first ever and of all the times I've ever done something like this, uh, from podcasting back in the day to doing uh, live streams with the guys over at the Q&A crew, um, first time ever I've received a Cash App donation. So I wanted to go ahead and thank Mark for that. Uh, Mark, I, I'm assuming it was that's what it was for. All I know is I woke up and there was something in my Cash App and I was like, oh, this is this is pretty cool. And um, and so being that it was my first ever, and uh, I'm pretty sure that that donation probably came by way of the Foxhole app. I will be sending that over to show my support because uh, I mean I, I probably would not have gotten that if it hadn't been for the exposure that I get through the Foxhole. So I just want to say my thanks also to the Foxhole crew and everything that they're doing for patriot first-minded Americans and for patriots and uh, lovers of America across the board. Uh, so I'll be I'll be doing that soon. I just haven't decided if I want to do a direct donation or if I want to purchase some gold pills with it uh, so that I can go ahead and support some of the other content creators out there and most definitely those who have supported me. Uh, I really do thank you guys. Like I was pretty like, wow, like this is pretty cool. So anyways, guys, all right, let's get into some of this chat recap. Love Warns was in the house. Bales, Bales, Asterix said, I'll never someone oh i'm guessing they're saying i'll never just someone by their looks or the clothes they wear it's the message steve bannon is sharing truth backed by facts and you are 100 right we were talking okay so we were talking about steve bannon and uh we were talking about uh <laughs> we were talking about um uh how his case was dismissed and uh, i made i made a comment to the effect of i wish he would you know cut his hair and shave so he didn't look like the wild man of borneo but no true 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 i mean i, I would never do such a thing it's just you know I'm not as good looking as Steve Bannon, so that's why I tend to get dressed up. Anyways, okay, <laughs> guys, I don't have a daddy syndrome. Palmer, 1951, Monkey Toe 71, La Regina, New York, Florida, Pilled by the Rabbit, Jen K, K uh, Canadian Bird, T Anomaly, AOC, um, Stax Double X, Jan, Jane 287, Fred 44, some of the people that were joining us on that episode. T Anomaly said, we are all grown up here and don't take hormone blockers. I hope so. We can deal with true love your show um i oh i think we were talking about uh hillary clinton at that point because uh i i, I warned them that she was coming up and, and indeed uh she was spotted in the streets of new york city drinking chablis with her pedophile husband so uh, i just thought we would share that report with you guys shepherding shepherd aoc january 6th was a potus rally of two million patriots and a few pre-recorded actors shilling ashley babbitt is still i think the rest of the comment was with the CIA. I'm not sure about this whole deal with Ashley Babbitt still being alive. I the kind of one of the thoughts that I had had on that was that uh, maybe Ashley Babbitt was like a CIA or an FBI operative whom they had embedded in like Black Lives Matter or Antifa. And then it's like a triple agent. And then um, on the day of the January 6th false flag riots, um, they had her dressed up as a patriot, and then maybe Antifa or BLM found out that she was actually FBI implanted or CIA implanted in their group, and then they forced her up to get shot. 
So it's like a triple agent. So that's what I thought. I mean, I have nothing to sustain or to prove that, but I was like, what on earth? And then of course, um, like I remember being there uh, and, and um, I was, I was interviewing people casually and I came across these three young men and they were just like excited to heck. Right. And they were saying uh, that they were there in uh inside the rotunda they were inside the capitol building and um they had they had pictures of ashley babbitt um and so what it ended up being is that they had run into someone who had taken a photo of ashley babbitt the the scenario and it was an unclear photo they showed it to me and and the guy took a picture of the guy's picture on the camera um and uh you could see blood in there um, uh, you, it was like her leg or her arm. It was not, a, it was like a motion picture. It was an action photo. So it was very, very unclear, but, uh, I do recall looking at the photo of the photo and there was blood and they were just like, you know, they were just super like elated by everything that they'd experienced. Uh, because like I was saying, like when I was there, I didn't recall seeing any riot. Uh, but then, you know, as I was on the ground, there it was probably like around three, three, three to four, somewhere in there. Um, you start hearing reports of there actually being people in the back of the Capitol. And that's where some of the action was really taking place. That's where like, you were really seeing like, uh, apparently, cause I didn't go to the back of the Capitol, but that's where they had like the uh, armed guards. That's where they had the, the, uh, um, the officers and, and the National Guard, they were in the back and they were the ones that were forming, making, coming into formation. And so the three young dudes that I had talked to were telling me about that experience. And they're like, yeah, like it was totally like the movies were like, they all take a step forward and grunt at the same time. And they almost smashed our stuff and all that stuff. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, as far as Ashley Babbitt still being alive and working with the CAA, I don't know about that to report on it. But I do agree that that was possibly pre-recorded because again, like, I didn't experience anything that, you know, they had experienced. So there's no telling. Uh, and, and, and with all the timelines going on, I would think that if there had really been a riot and there had really been a rushing of the Capitol, like they probably would not have allowed us to stay there as long as we did. Like people were there even after 6 p.m. By 6 p.m. I was already headed back to my hotel, but like people were still there. And uh, I think that they would have called in more, um, more armed forces, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, um, if everything had played out exactly the way they said it played out on the news. So I kind of, I kind of agree with you there on that AOC. Uh, that's, um, that's not Alexandria, the, the moron from New York. That's uh, Alexandria occasional cortex. Are you the one who coined that term? Cause, um, I've heard occasional cortex for quite a while. And, uh, I would say, dude, that's a pretty good one. Uh, I, I'd trademark that if I are you before someone else takes it. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Joe Beth for truth plant Patriot, uh, Fred 44. They thought they could get rid of Trump. We would go back to sleep, but they were so wrong. That's hundred percent true guys. Uh, cause, uh, he woke us up or I guess most of us up. Uh, and then the rest is, uh, we're not going back to sleep. It's just far too late. Too many people took the red pill. Uh, Henry 4570 just wanted to say, hey, from the woods of Michiganistan. Uh, Michiganistan. Oh, man, Henry, we're praying for you up there, buddy. We are praying for you and the people of Michigan to get rid of that demon, wretched Gretchen Whit uh, Whitmer, and uh, anyone else that uh, goes along with her party, right? Shepherding Shepherd. Come on, man. Crimes against humanity is indefensible. And the sword of truth and light will inflict much pain for evildoers. Yes, sir. That's what I'm saying. 
the tree of liberty does need to be watered and may it be with the blood of our enemies, the enemies of America. Um, and that's all about, I'll say about that. Dondo in the house, Palmier, uh, Palmer, 1951, 17 Angels, Mix 69-able, uh, 79, Quilt, Anon, Moda, Lisa. Uh, it was the first time uh, listening to the show, and that was this Saturday afternoon show, Moda, Lisa, so I'm glad you got to hop in. And yes, I do think Zublik, uh, there's something definitely going on with that guy there. We we watched, uh, I, I force-fed some of the viewers uh, um, <laughs> some content from that Zublik guy over at uh, was it dark dark matter or something like that? He used to be uh, the truth exposed or whatever it was, but uh, I don't know. His eyes tend to like flip between a, a snake and and pupil. Ah, yes, conspiracy theories here at the Sea Report. Who would have known? P three four V three Y, otherwise known as Micah. So good to have seen you. It was I missed you, guy. Uh, he's he's a French viewer. Uh, international viewership over here at the Foxhole app. Rebel Sace, Just V, Sly Park 2020, Carrie Lake, uh, Scorp Brat, um, Hard Knocks PhD, F6, <laughs> always in Texas. Zuckerberg execution would be a pay-per-view draw. I really do think that um, uh, it definitely would be. Now, I don't know if, uh, I think, I think honestly though, any, any public execution for uh, treasonous individuals, those who've committed treason for our against our country would be a pay-per-view draw. But then again, the rest of the lemmings and lemurs out there are, are so, um, you know, in my opinion, are probably so, uh, what do you call it, uh, apathetic and, and uh, stuff like that towards life. They'd probably just tune in just to see it, regardless of who or why it was regardless of who or why it was. Just V says, I've known about NGOs from Soros for lots of years. They've just become a spider web of new names and shell companies. 100%. That is very true. I'm just glad that we're seeing how these NGOs are actually playing into not just the politics of America, but also around the world. Um, and so that that is being exposed uh, and and that is coming to light, I think is very heartening. Just Fed Up says, I know we need to learn and expose it. It just seems to never end. It does indeed. But, you know, I think at this point uh, we have a lot of light shining on these types of organizations, especially uh, like we did the expose on um, the the uh, Center for Tech and Civic Life on uh, Saturday evening's episode of the Sea Report. Uh, so we were talking about how that is a non-government organization, but yet they were very heavily embedded within our elections, uh, giving money and uh, amping up the progressive and Democrat vote. So that's a uh, very something, it's, it's, you know, it's something to think about. I mean, even, do you guys remember when we did that report? It was probably uh, about uh, two weeks ago or so. I mean, it wasn't a report. It was just part of the report. Um, where uh, the president of Mexico, President AMLO, um, was uh, President Obrador was uh, talking, was calling out uh, one of the NGOs that uh, is in his country that is against him and has been funded by the American government. So he was calling them out. So we're definitely seeing how that works. Uh, people around the world are are also, you know, becoming savvy to that. So that is a good thing. You know, and then we're also learning and retaining about how these NGOs are a big part of the colored revolutions that go into regime change across the world. And uh, of course, now that they could connect the dots of how they do it, 
they can pinpoint it all back to who? The CIA, I think, would be one of the major proprietors of regime change through colored revolution. So that's definitely something that we can hold on to. And any other government uh, organization within our country that is supporting uh, NGOs around the world, we can now connect the dots and then we can bring it, we can bring it right back home to the United States of America, where our three-lettered agencies are the ones who are funding and staffing these types of events and activities. So just hang on to the faith and just know that knowledge, spread the truth. That's all that we can do. Loyal to the foil was in the house. It was so good to see you, sweetie. Uh, Tanette Booth, Curious Cat, Viper 1700, Christina Fontana, Aloha, and uh, Grafted In as well. Uh, so we had a pretty good weekend uh, this past weekend. A lot of good chats, a lot of good, a lot of good feels and stuff like that. So again, thank you all for tuning in. Let me go ahead and, oh, my fingers are still peanut buttery. Okay. All right, guys. So let's go ahead and get into the C report today. I do want to give myself some eyes real quick. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, let's see. Oh. Yes, and that should have been up to begin with. Sorry about that, y'all. Yes, indeed, happy Memorial Day in honor of our fallen veterans and uh, armed services. We uh, we do absolutely appreciate their service. And the families, the families, uh, whether they're the mother, the father, the son, the daughter, the aunt, the uncle, the grandma, the grandpa, uh, we also thank and honor them for the service that their family members um, um, gave to this country and gave to um to our freedom so that we can continue doing what we'd like to do. And now we have, of course, um, we have uh, statements from our president. Statements from our president. So let's go ahead and see. We only had one statement today, but we're actually going to do a little bit extra as well today in honor of Memorial Day. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and see what our president had to say. I'll go ahead and expand that for you guys so you can better see what I am reading. On this Memorial Day, we remember the fallen heroes who took their last breaths in defense of our nation, our families, our citizens, and our sacred freedoms. The depth of their devotion, the steel of their resolve, and the purity of their patriotism has no equal in human history. On distant battlefields, in far-off oceans, and high in the skies above, they faced down our enemies and gave their lives so that America would prevail. They made the supreme sacrifice so that our people can live in safety and our nation can thrive in peace. It is because of their gallantry that we can together as one continue our pursuit of America's glorious destiny. We owe all that we are and everything we ever hope to be to these unrivaled heroes. Their memory and their legacy is immortal. Our loyalty to them and to their families is eternal and everlasting. America's warriors are the single greatest force for justice, peace, and liberty, and security among all the nations ever to exist on earth. God bless our fallen soldiers, sailors, coast guardsmen, airmen, and marines. We honor them today forever and always. From our 45th president, Donald Trump, quite a touching statement, but I have something a little better for you guys. No, no, what could be better than that, right? Um, okay, so being that the C-Report got on the air so late, what we started, we started uh, 
we started doing the C report what in uh, February of 2021. It was like February 1st or February 2nd was when the C report first went live on the airwaves, and we've been doing it every day since. Yep, every day since, guys. Um, uh, I would love to share this with you guys. Now, I know you all have probably seen this or heard this or remember it, but uh, I have not been able to archive this on the C report. So I would love to include it in today's report. And uh, this is going to be the full speech uh, that President Trump gave in 2017, his first speech as uh, president um, for Memorial Day. And uh, yeah, I'm going to share that with you guys. So uh, hopefully you will enjoy and uh, the words of our president as he honors the fallen. Uh, and um, well, we'll see you guys on the other side. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, General Dunford, Secretary Mattis, for your moving words and for your service to our great nation. Vice President Pence, Cabinet Secretaries, members of Congress, members of the Armed Forces and Veterans, thank you for joining us as we honor the brave warriors who gave their lives for ours, spending their last moments on this earth in defense of this country and of its people. Words cannot measure the depth of their devotion, the purity of their love, or the totality of their courage. We only hope that every day we can prove worthy not only of their sacrifice and service, but of the sacrifice made by the families and loved ones they left behind. Special, special people. I especially want to extend our gratitude to Secretary John Kelly for joining us today. Incredible man. like to call him general. He understands more than most ever could or ever will the wounds and burdens of war. Not only did Secretary proudly serve in the military for more than 40 years, enduring many hardships, but he and his incredible wife, Karen, have borne the single most difficult hardship of them all, the loss of their son, Robert in service to our country. Robert died fighting the enemies of all civilizations in Afghanistan. To John, Karen, Heather, Kate, Andrea, and the entire Kelly family, today 300 million American hearts are joined together with yours. We grieve with you we honor you and we pledge to you that we will always remember Robert and what he did for all of us. 
Thank you, Jim. The Kelly family represents military families across the country who carry the burden of freedom on their shoulders. Secretary Kelly is joined today by his son-in-law, Jake, a wounded warrior, and the secretary's son, Johnny, will soon leave on his fifth deployment. It is because of families like yours that all of our families can live in safety and live in peace. To every Gold Star family who honors us with your presence, you lost sons and daughters, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers. They each had their own names, their own stories, their own beautiful dreams, but they were all angels sent to us by God, and they all share one title in common, and that is the title of hero. Real heroes. Though they were here only a brief time before God called them home, their legacy will endure forever. General Douglas MacArthur once said that the soldier who is called upon to offer and to give his life for his country is the noblest development of mankind. Here at this hallowed shrine, we honor the noblest among us, the men and women who paid the ultimate price for victory and for freedom. We pay tribute to those brave souls who raced into gunfire, roared into battle, and ran into hell to face down evil. They made their sacrifice not for fame, or for money, or even for glory, but for country. We are privileged to be joined today by a man whose life demonstrates the values of service and sacrifice. Senator Bob Dole, here with his wife, Senator Elizabeth Dole. Senator Dole fought bravely in World War II and was severely wounded by German fire. In just a few weeks, Bob will be celebrating his 94th birthday. And Bob, I know I speak for millions of grateful Americans when I say thank you. Thank you, Bob. We thank you not only for your service, but for helping us to remember your fallen comrades and the countless American patriots who gave their lives in the Second World War. Since the first volley of gunfire, 
in the revolution, brave Americans in every generation have answered the call of duty and won victory for freedom in its hour of need. Today, a new generation of American patriots are fighting to win the battle against terrorism, risking their lives to protect our citizens from an enemy that uses the murder of innocence to wage war on humanity itself. We are joined today by the wife of Specialist Christopher Horton, who rests on these so beautiful grounds. As Jane tells us, Chris was a man who loved his country with every part of his being. In 2008, Chris enlisted in the Oklahoma Army National Guard. He trained as a sniper, becoming known as one of the best shots anywhere at any time. He was a talented, tough guy. While Chris was in the National Guard, he was also a volunteer police officer. In everything he did, he was thinking about how he could serve God, serve his family, and serve his country. In 2011, he deployed for the first time to Afghanistan. Chris knew his job was one of the most dangerous there was, but he was determined to go after the enemy at any cost to himself. His missions helped target and kill terrorists who sought to destroy innocent people. Just three months into his first deployment, Chris was near the Pakistan border, trying to eliminate an enemy cell that was doing so much damage and that was planting deadly roadside bombs against his unit and the units of many others. Standing watch with his comrades, he died in the ensuing gun battle with enemy forces. Chris sacrificed his life to protect his fellow soldiers and to protect all Americans. He was awarded the Purple Heart and Bronze Star for his courage. At only 26 years old, Chris secured his place in our hearts for eternity. Jane, America grieves with you. Our whole entire nation sends you our support, our strength, and our deep, deep love. You lost your husband, and America lost a hero. And together, we will preserve his memory today, tomorrow, and always. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane.
Thank you, Jane. We're also joined today by David and Rose Byers, the parents of Major Andrew Byers. As a boy, Andrew dreamed of the chance to attend the United States Military Academy at West Point. He worked hard, he earned that chance, and he graduated at the top of his class. He became the commander of a special Halo team, leading his fellow soldiers out of aircraft, hurtling into dangerous and unknown territory. About this time last year, Andrew was sent on his third combat deployment. This time he went to Afghanistan. On November 3rd, he was one of 10 special forces operators to land by helicopter near a Taliban safe haven in Northern Afghanistan. They trekked through a mile of waist deep mud and climbed a steep cliff before finally reaching the village that they wanted to reach. There, a night long battle ensued Andrew and his team fought off wave after wave after wave of enemy fighters. A grenade detonated, and as the Taliban began to surround the American and Afghan forces, Andrew ran through the smoke and through the hail of bullets to rescue an Afghan soldier. In the midst of this torrent of gunfire and danger, Andrew worked heroically to open a gateway and get his men to safety, risking his life to save theirs. And he did it. Unbelievably, he did it. But in saving those lives, Andrew was killed right then and there by enemy fire. Andrew has since been awarded the Silver Star for gallantry in battle. To his parents, David and Rose, we stand in awe of your son and his courageous sacrifice. On behalf of the American people, I express to you our everlasting gratitude for what your son did for his country, for his comrades, and for all of us. Andrew's father has said that he holds onto the promise of Joshua 1, verse 9, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
to every Gold Star family, God is with you and your loved ones are with him. They died in war so that we could live in peace. I believe that God has a special place in heaven for those who lay down their lives so that others may live free from fear and this horrible oppression. Now, let us pledge to make the most of that freedom that they so gallantly and brilliantly fought for and they died to protect. Let us also pledge to tell the stories of Robert, Chris, Andrew, and all of America's fallen warriors today and for the next 1,000 years. And while we cannot know the extent of your pain, what we do know is that our gratitude to them and to you is boundless and undying. Boundless and undying. We'll always be there. Thank you. Their stories are now woven into the soul of our nation, into the stars and stripes on our flag, and into the beating hearts of our great, great people. Today, we also hold a special vigil for heroes whose story we cannot tell because their names are known to God alone the unknown soldiers. We do not know where they came from, who they left behind, or what they hoped to be. But we do know what they did. They fought and they died in a great and noble act of loyalty and love to their families and to our country. In a letter written that is now famous, one Civil War soldier captured it all and for all time. He wrote to his wife, if I do not return, my dear Sarah, never forget how much I love you, nor that when my last breath escapes me on the battlefield, it will whisper your name. That is the love we hear whispering throughout this sacred place and from every tombstone on these hallowed grounds. It is the love that binds this earth beneath us and bleeds from the hearts of all of those who died so that we might live free. We can never replace them. We can never repay them but we can always remember. And today, that is what we are doing. We remember. Words cannot wipe away the tears or bring back those smiling faces. But if Americans just take the time to look 
into your eyes and tell you how much we thank you and how dearly we pray for you and how truly we love you, then hopefully you can find solace through your pain. And every time you see the sun rise over this blessed land, please know your brave sons and daughters pushed away the night and delivered for us all that great and glorious dawn. Thank you. God bless you. God bless our fallen heroes. God bless their families. God bless our military. And God bless the United States of America. Thank you. I think we'll pause it there. All right, guys. That uh, to me, that was a great speech, a great speech given by our president, President Donald Trump, uh, and most definitely I, the man. It's almost poetic the way he speaks, and uh, I feel like I haven't heard another president deliver such an address. So thank you all for allowing me to share that on today's program. Um, as far as uh, Memorial Day is concerned, and uh, again, thank you to the families and to the memory of those who have fallen out there. See, I'm getting a little choked up here now, guys. So, uh, um, and just to address uh, uh, our chat, Day Tripper, Giuseppe, Love Warns, Liz Garcia, Monkey Toast, Carrie Lake, Don S, thanks for stopping in. Giuseppe, thank you uh, for the sacrifice of being um, the mother of a, a patriot and the mother of one of our armed forces, your son. Uh, always, always, always um, will we wish him many returns uh, back into your arms. Uh, Day Tripper, thank you very much for that, uh, as well as this Garcia. Y'all didn't have to do that, and I, I definitely appreciate it. And uh, Don S., Don S., you caught that, huh? I caught that, too. I was like, for the next 1,000 years. That says something right there. It gives me chills, guys. It gives me chills. But uh, just something I wanted to share with the audience today for tuning in uh, on this Memorial Day. Um, and uh, just a good good way, I think, to put into memory uh, the words of a, of a president who truly has Americans and America first in mind and first in heart and fought. Uh, and I believe, in my opinion, is still doing everything in his purview to fight for <clears throat> the restoration of our constitution and our republic. And, and hopefully we'll go public with it soon. You know what I mean? Like hopefully uh, um, America is being saved, we'll go public and the rest of the world and those who are still asleep or still apathetic or just don't care for this country because they don't understand it. Um, they don't understand it. We'll see eventually. And and one more thing I have to say on that note, uh, because, you know, uh, I don't know if I, I'm pretty sure I've shared with uh, the audience, you know, that I, I come from an apolitical family. So I was not raised to be involved in politics, let alone even vote, you know, but my father, he served in um, he served in the army during the Vietnam era. Uh, my grandfather fought in World War Two. So, you know, that that is definitely in my family's, uh, um, you know, history, line of history. But I was never I was never taught to appreciate the service that those men and women did for our country. 
And I'll never forget, and I'm only I'm only sharing the story with you because Genesepi had commented on how her son gets embarrassed when people thank him for his service, but they deserve it, you know. And and I'll never forget when I started to utter those words from my mouth when I would see a veteran, you know, with their cap on, or or you know, I I was uh you know around military men or women, it, it used to feel so weird and alien to me to to say something like thank you for your service and and maybe at that point i hadn't really found in my heart where that gratitude was coming from but i knew it was important to thank them because they're the unsung heroes that don't get that gratitude often enough i believe we don't appreciate as a culture or society what they do in order for us to in order for us to be like the trolls on twitch you know what i mean like in order for them to be there trolling these types of programs and these types of shows they don't appreciate what they have done for them to be able to do that you know now now granted they stand on the line of communism and on that side right so they can go ahead and say what they will and not be uh not be in fear that they will get you know a censored or taken away but if they were on our side of the line if they were showing speeches like president trump just gave if they were talking about america first they would feel the heat that the communists, the Marxists, the socialists, all of those progressive people give to people like us in the America First uh, community. So that's all I got to kind of say about that. But um, uh, other than that, I, I think also uh, there were there have been veterans and servicemen that I think probably also felt kind of like embarrassed or awkward when someone thanked them for their service. And what that tells me is that not enough people thank them. And, and so I make it a practice. I make it a practice. I make it a point to always say thank you whenever I come across a serviceman. So, all right, that's how we're going to start. Oh, the show's over. No, just kidding. We got more. <laughs> we're not done yet, guys. Don't worry. Um, okay, so but that, that, is, uh, that is just how I really wanted to start today's um, show off with the, um, those words uh, from our president, President 45, in regards to uh, Memorial Day. But now, ladies and gentlemen, as my favorite uh, kooky cook would say, <laughs> that being Microwave Marge, the show must go on. Okay, guys, so I got a few reports. We're not going to be too long about it today. We'll do a couple of follow-ups in tomorrow's show. Uh, but let's see what we're starting off today. Now, we're starting off today with some coronavirus, some COVID-19 shows, uh, shows, uh, news, and some stuff that's going on. Now, first of all, we have a pretty big developing story that I would say coming out of Houston, Texas, where we have more than 100 healthcare workers suing the Houston Methodist Hospital over mandatory vaccines, right? That's right. We have a lawsuit on the table. Now, I've been saying since the days of hydroxychloroquine, and we will get into that as well, that that class action lawsuits are coming. And I've been saying at least since about, I don't know, March or so, that these vaccines and the requirement for masks and the requirement for vaccine passports 
is discrimination. Okay, now I've had even content creators push back on me and say that's not discrimination because you made it a point to get your vaccine or whatever, or you, you know, whatever you have to say. No, it is discrimination. If you are going to tell me I cannot enter your facility, your establishment, your business, whatever, because I will not wear a mask, you are discriminating. You're discriminating against me medically. You know, if if you're telling me I cannot do business with you or I am a, a second rate citizen, I'm subpar, I'm below the caste because I don't get vaccines, you are discriminating against me. And that is exactly what this type of lawsuit is kind of focusing on, along with the fact that they're violating all types of human rights. So anyways, <clears throat> as I was saying here, Let's go ahead now. Now, I, I got to some of the meat of this story comes from Justin News and the Western Journal. Um, the, the lawsuit was filed in the United States District Court of Montgomery County. Plaintiffs argue the hospital's policy violates state law and has caused injury to them in the form of lost wages, loss, a loss of earnings capacity and lost benefits, as well as lost future earnings and mental anguish. I would definitely say all of the above is applicable, especially if especially if you are in a job where this can happen. And I'm glad this happened in Texas. I'm glad this happened in Texas, not because Texas is leading the way, but because uh, Texas is an at-will state when it comes to work. Like they can fire you and they can hire you for any reason. They don't need to have a valid reason to fire you. However, if they want to kind of dodge litigation, then it would do them well to have, you know, all their receipts showing why it is that they fired you. But they really don't have to. You don't have to do that in a state like Texas, right? So I'm glad it's happening here because they're holding these people to the fire. Now, this is the thing, though. This is a hospital. So you have over a hundred healthcare workers who got fired for not getting their vaccines. They're they're Well, you know, my family calls them lethal injections, but, uh, but because it's all experimental and they're cited as being considered guinea pigs. Now it says on March 31st, 2021, Houston Methodist hospital became the first major healthcare system in the United States to require its employees to take the experimental COVID-19 mRNA gene modification injections or be fired. Houston Methodist employees uh, employs 26,000 people and its CEO Mark Boom told the Houston Chronicle that 99% of staff have met the requirements for the hospital's vaccine rule and said vaccines are part of the sacred obligation required of healthcare workers. Now, I think it's pretty funny that now they decide to tout this entire uh, Socratic method or this, you know, where they have to like, um, they have to care for their patients because I, I, it's in my experience that most of these uh, healthcare workers are very apathetic and cynical these days. They've been watching too much Grey's Anatomy. To them, it's nothing but this like uh, this uh, operating room drama circling around everyone's lives. And then they can just be cynical as they want. You know what I mean? So, no, I mean, you see why I don't like shows like that? I mean, I'm sorry. They just they just they just made all of the people in the hospital industry want to mimic that is what I think. True, total programming. Um, anyway, so this uh, director, Mark Boom, the CEO, said it's unfortunate that few remaining employees who refuse to get vaccinated and put our patients first are responding in this way. 
it is legal for healthcare institutions to mandate vaccines as we have done with the flu vaccine since 2009. The COVID-19 vaccines have proven through rigorous trials to be safe and very effective and, and are not experimental. Now, I wonder what planet the CEO, Mark Boom, is living on. For him to say something like the vaccines have been proven through rigorous trials to be safe, how could he say that? We've had thousands of deaths. We've had we've had thousands of different types of reactions. Um, we've had, and this is all documented. Not to mention all of the breakthrough uh, cases where people who are fully vaccinated, and now this is in the thousands as well, who are fully vaccinated, uh, two shots, and two weeks later they are still getting COVID. Okay, so what world does Mark Boom live on? I want to know. Okay, and then that they're not experimental. How could he say they're not experimental when a two-year trial, like the FDA normally will uh, administer uh, vaccines through, how could he say they're not experimental when they don't even know what any of the outcomes will be? They don't even know the side effects. They don't even know if five years from now you're going to grow an extra arm because you got this uh, spike protein in your blood that you're now, uh, your body is now manufacturing COVID itself. How could he say that? You know, that's, that's uh, that, what is that? Gaslighting? Is that what you would call that? Where you just throw out a straight line, you try and trick your audience? They're depending on you, America, to be ignorant to how vaccines work and to be apathetic enough, not caring enough, disengaged enough to just believe what he says because he's the CEO of a hospital, right? So this just, this guy is off his rocker, if you ask me. Now, it also says the employees filed a lawsuit, um, and again, that was Friday, um, that re the requirement violates the law. And it's uh, one of the nurses uh, by the name of Jennifer Bridge said, I will never take that vaccine ever, 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 which means she may never, ever, ever work within the medical industry again is kind of what that's saying to me. You can see where this is, you know, because a lot of people are taking these shots because they are under duress of losing financial stability. That's not fair. You know, it is totally not fair that this is happening to people. So uh, let's see. Also, it says here um, we had another individual. Uh, oh, no. Bridges went on to say people trying to force you to put something into your body that you're not comfortable with in order to keep your job is just insane. I would agree with you. She went on to say, I am not an anti-vax person. If you want to get the shot, by all means, get it. I don't take that away from anybody. Just let everybody have a choice and the right to make their own decision. The lawsuit was filed by Jared Woodfill, who claims that the hospital is violating standards of ethics known as the Nuremberg Code, created after World War II to ban experimentation on people without their consent. Uh, Methodist Hospital is forcing its employees to be human guinea pigs as a condition for continued employment. And you know, as I like to do here at the Sea Report, we're going to take a look at this lawsuit. All right, guys, because uh, I don't just speak out of my tuchus. <laughs> I do like to bring you guys some of what is really going on out there. Let me go ahead and expand it for you a little bit so you can get a better sense of what this case. Now, here you have all the plaintiffs. All right. Pretty long list there. And this is against the Methodist Hospital, um, the Methodist Hospital system in the Houston Woodlands area.
All right, so this is a 56-page um, um, lawsuit. So we're not going to read all of it, but we are going to go through some of the highlighted material because I think that uh, uh, the verbiage is very uh, important and insightful for those of us who are wanting to get to know more about what is going on and maybe how we can use this as our own ammunition in the face of people who are trying to discriminate or who are just showing a total bias towards us because we don't want to go along with the crowd. Of course, it's all about people-pleasing and crowd-pleasing when it comes to these individuals, but uh, the evidence shows more to our side than it does to their side. All they can say is, well, you have to look out for the greater good. You have to look out for the people. You have to consider your neighbors. Well, guess what? If you knew how vaccines work, because uh, we all do it at least since 1907, right? Then we already know that once you're vaccinated, you're fully incapable of either transmitting or contracting the disease that you got. When was the last time you got mumps, Mr. Man or Mr. Woman, who's out there saying that uh, you have to have uh, uh, six feet of difference and like 20 masks on because you already got the shot? I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever. Anyway, so let's go ahead and go into this. Uh, it says, for the first time in the history of the United States, an employer is forcing an employee to participate in an experimental vaccine trial as a condition for continued employment. On or about March 31st, 2021, defendants, the, Mes the Methodist Hospital, and Houston Methodist, the Woodlands Hospital, became the first major healthcare system in the country to force its employees to be injected with an experimental COVID-19 mRNA gene modification injection experimental vaccine or be fired. Methodist Hospital is forcing its employees to be human guinea pigs as a condition for continued employment. On December 11, 2020, the United States Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, issued the first emergency use authorization for an experimental vaccine for the prevention of coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19. Emergency use authorization is not an FDA approval. The experimental vaccine has been in existence for less than a year. The first reported use of the experimental vaccine was December 14th, 2020. In December, the uh, clinical trials the FDA will rely upon to ultimately decide whether to license these and other COVID-19 experimental vaccines are still underway and are designed to last for approximately two years to collect adequate data to establish if these vaccines are safe and effective enough for the FDA to approve. The abbreviated timelines for the emergency use applications and authorizations means there is much the FDA does not know about these products, even as it authorizes them for emergency use, including their effectiveness against infection, death, and transmission of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that is allegedly the cause of the COVID vaccine or the COVID disease. I apologize. All right, now let's go ahead and skip down to here real quick. It says, in August 2020, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, published a meeting of the Advisory Committee on Immunizations and Respiratory Diseases. Dr. Amanda Kahn stated, I just want to add that just wanted to remind everybody that under an emergency use authorization, an EUA, an EAU, an emergency use authorization, Vaccines are not allowed to be mandatory. So early in the vaccination phase, individuals will have to be consented and they won't be able to be mandated. 
here plaintiffs have term have been terminated from their jobs and others are in imminent and immediate danger of being terminated from their jobs for refusing to take an experimental vaccine that is being provided under an EAU. Very, very, I mean, this is good information, guys. And there's the ammunition there from someone who is working with the CDC themselves. Now, let's see a little bit further down here. We have a bit more information I wanted to share. Okay, now this is about the VAERS database. I don't know if y'all are aware of what VAERS database is. It's the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. So, um, you know, medical establishments, people who who do these types of of, uh, licensing or also um, creating of these vaccines there uh, to to give or, or to report to VAERS um, whether there's a, a type of a reaction or what it is, et cetera. And this is just so that they can, um, they can collect and retain that data. So uh, this is what the lawsuit says in regards to the VAERS database. Now it says VAERS database identifies serious COVID-19 health concerns. In 1990, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System was established as a national early warning system to detect possible safety problems in United States licensed vaccines. VAERS is a passive reporting system, meaning it relies on individuals to voluntarily send in reports of their experiences to CDC and FDA. VAERS is useful in detecting unusual and unexpected patterns of adverse event reporting that might indicate a possible safety problem with a vaccine. This way, VAERS can provide CDC and FDA with valuable information that additional work and evaluation is necessary to further assess a possible safety concern. There were 4,434 death reports and over 12,619 serious injuries reported to the CDC's VAERS database from COVID-19 vaccines through May 10th, 2021. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a startling figure. Over 4,000 deaths and over 12,000 serious injuries reported to VAERS since the time they started using these vaccines slash gene therapy sessions all the way up through the 10th of this month. That is concerning. Now, the report goes on to say, or the lawsuit goes on to say, by comparison, July 1st, 1997, until December 31st, 2019, VAERS received 666 adult death reports. That number should shock the heck out of everyone. And yet we're going to go ahead and continue to uh, um, submit to these injections and these uh, um, gene therapy shots when in a span of what, 97 to uh, 13, what's that? 14 years, within a span of 14 years, only 666 deaths, go figure that number, right, were reported. And now we have 4,000 plus deaths just on this COVID shot alone. Red flags going up. Red flags should be going up, right? Um, The lawsuit goes on to say the flu vaccines are linked to, to 20 to 30 death reports a year according to Dr. Peter McCullough, and those 20 to 30 death reports come with considerably more vaccines administered. Arguably, if the experimental vaccine was any other vaccine or drug, it would have already been removed from the market. Usually, a new drug is withdrawn after 50 deaths, 
which is not typical because the FDA has a strict approval process. The COVID-19 vaccines have been exempted from the approval process, instead being temporarily authorized for emergency use. 3,500 plus people, I mean, sorry, 3,500 plus reports is 70 times the normal threshold for pulling a drug from the market. Although this is raw data, previous VAR studies have shown that only 1% to 10% of vaccine-related deaths are reported to VAERS or less. So we're looking at this number of 40,000-plus deaths and 12,000-plus reactions, and they're saying that that may only be up to 10% of the actual number reported. Very very concerning, y'all. That's very concerning. Anyways, I mean, if you guys need a copy of this lawsuit, I mean, there are reports about this. There's reports out there. I just don't have them, but I will drop a, this, the PDF of this lawsuit in my Discord in case you want to share it with your family. Uh, but let me, let me go ahead and finish up here. Uh, it says the COVID vaccines are adding a year's worth of VAERS reports every week. Every week, they're adding a year's worth of reports to the VAERS reporting site. In just four months, more adverse reports were added to the VAERS database than any single vaccine has had cumulatively over the past 31 years. This is clearly a safety signal. Further studies need to be done, and plaintiffs should not be forced to participate in these dangerous trials as a condition for employment. That is insane, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so uh, this last section I'll go ahead and uh, share with you guys. The universal prohibition on human experimentation without consent. So here's where we're going to talk a little bit about, well, not we, but this is where they're going to talk about the Nuremberg Code. Um, I'm sure many of y'all are familiar with that now. I don't know if I should really get into this, but as a discretion, um, there is another uh, outfit that has been reporting heavily on how uh, Dr. Fauci and others should be held trial under the Nuremberg Code for forcing an experimental vaccine on literally the entire world. But they were warned that if they continue to report on that angle of this whole shamdemic, that certain people in the government would force a false flag that would kill a lot of people. So this is probably the only time I'm going to report this, and then I'm going to stop because they don't want people talking about how this ties into the Nuremberg Code. Um, they don't want that. They don't want that storyline out there. But once, because once this storyline gets out there, they're going to use anti-vaxxers, patriots, and conservatives as the um as the people who are committing these crimes because they're mad they're mad that you know that they're they're vaccinating people and so they're going to say a right-wing extremists people who don't believe in vaccines are going to be the ones that do this so anyways i'm just going to report this once i mean i am not anti-vax myself you know i never got the mumps i never got rubella <laughs> I never got polio thanks to vaccines, um, but I do have my opinions on uh, children, infants getting shot up with 10 different vaccines when they're like a week old. That's just wrong. You're frying their brains. You're frying their synapses. You can't do that. 
you can't give them 20 shots in two weeks. I mean, that's where I stand on that matter. But I never got polio. I never got the mumps or rubella because I was vaccinated. So I do believe vaccines work. I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm just anti-shooting up infants with 30 vaccines in two weeks. That's not good. Anyway, so let me go ahead and talk about this real quick. I just had to, I had to say that discretion, caution first before I move on with the rest. But this isn't a lawsuit, y'all. This isn't a lawsuit. So it says here, um, it says here, the universal prohibition on human experimentation without consent. Among the horrors that emerged from the rubble of World War II were stories of barbaric medical experiments performed on unwilling victims of Nazi Germany's concentration camps. On August 8th, 1945, the prevailing allies established an international military tribunal under the aegis of the IMT, the creation of United States military tribunals for the trial of lower level war criminals, such as doctors accused of conducting medical experiments without the subject's consent was authorized. A United States military tribunal subsequently found 15 doctors guilty of conducting non-consensual experiments, which included the testing of drugs for immunizations against malaria, uh, epidemic jaundice, smallpox, and cholera. In every single instance appearing in the record, the tribunal concluded subjects were used who did not consent to the experiments. The tribunal sentenced seven of the doctors to death and the remaining eight to life in prison. As part of its final judgment, the tribunal promulgated the Nuremberg Code on Permissible Medical Experiments. Point one of the Nuremberg Code states, the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. Now it says here, the experimental SARS-CoV-2 vaccine contains laboratory synthesized mRNA in a lipid package. This mRNA enters the host cells and hijacks the cells, causing them to produce the spike protein of the coronavirus, which elicits the development of antibodies. The human host cells respond to the spike protein and elicit cell signaling. The spike protein produced by the new COVID-19 experimental vaccines may also affect the host cells. Scientists recommend that we monitor the long-term consequences of these experimental vaccines carefully, especially when um, they are administered to otherwise healthy individuals. Scientists further conclude that further investigation of the effects of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein on human cells and appropriate experimental animals models are warranted. A recent study suggests that the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein can be can by itself trigger cell signaling that can lead to various biological processes. The scientists who conducted the study concluded it is reasonable to assume that such events in some cases result in the pathogenesis of certain diseases. Despite the experimental nature of the vaccine and the numerous adverse side effects related to the experimental vaccine, including, but not limited to, death through anaphylactic shock, thrombosis with thrombocytosis, Teopenia syndrome, blood clots, multi-system autoimmune disorders, and multiple organ failure, and the fact that some scientists have concluded that it is reasonable to assume the experimental vaccine will result in the pathogenesis of certain diseases, Dr. Mark Boom, the president and CEO of Defendant Houston Methodist, gave employees an ultimatum. If you want to keep your job, continue to feed your family, and avoid bankruptcy, you must be injected with the experimental COVID-19 vaccine. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. That is uh, probably the most I've read from any lawsuit I've presented here on the C Report. But for a fact, if you would like to know more about how this mRNA, mRNA gene therapy session links into your blood, makes you a COVID, uh, basically a COVID factory, and, and also the other diseases now that they're finding out has more to do uh, not with just the respiratory system, but like also with the heart system and the vascular system. And this is why people are having strokes. They're having uh, heart failure is because it doesn't just attack the respiratory system, the spike protein that is in the vaccine and in the mRNA gene therapy session is in fact damaging cells and your body at that level that it's causing these things to happen. We've covered all of this here at the C-Report within the last two months. I promise you, if you look back at any of our old, we had this whole presentation that we did about how the mRNA vaccine is not a vaccine, but it's a gene therapy session. That was one. And then more recently about how it's actually causing more deaths and other physical ailments uh, because of the fact that it has these spike proteins in it. So that was a story that was developing out of Dallas um, here in Texas. And like I said, lawsuits guys class action lawsuits are going to happen now i've been calling for a class action lawsuit in fact on the fact that uh medical doctors and the media um demonized hydroxychloroquine like early on well guess what guys we have another report that can, i think could lead to that i would definitely say could lead to that especially if you've gone through the loss of a loved one um or if you've had any kind of mental anguish because we could have had hydroxychloroquine ivermectin on the scene from the beginning and we would never have gone into lockdown we would have never have lost our jobs our life would not be this supposed new normal you know we never would have had the anguish and people would have lived you know we would not have had any anywhere near any of the deaths that have happened if hydroxychloroquine had not been demonized by fauci and the mainstream media from the jump okay so here's this website that we have here um now this is called uh c19hq.com all right so here it reports uh now this one basically uh, it gathers it aggregates all of the uh, the peer-reviewed and the different types of studies that have been done over the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine with COVID-19. We needed a website like this because what it has basically done is it has shown that hydroxychloroquine is effective at treating and stopping coronavirus, even as a prophylactic, preventing coronavirus from happening. And again, we had idiots like Fauci going out there and telling us that it's not safe. And we had the mainstream media the lamestream media, the legacy news, fake news media, backing it up from the jump and demonizing it outright from the start. Now, I, would you come back here? <laughs> okay, so in this, it says 246 trials of 3,947 scientists and 378,557 patients. Now, I remember when there was a doctor in Houston who had been treating their patients with hydroxychloroquine every single patient and when this doctor tried to stand up they silenced her uh, and they did not let her talk about it now it showed 66 percent improvement in in uh, 26 early treatment trials 75 percent improvement in 11 early treatment mortality results 46 improvement in six early treatment rct results 22 percent improvement in 167 late treatment trials so people who had it late in the game were already infected and and perhaps dying from covid there was 
there's a 22% improvement because of hydroxychloroquine. I mean, I will take those odds over zero odds any day of the week. So it's just, it's disgusting to see. Now this is um, C19HCQ.com. If y'all are interested in looking at that, it showed that 100% of the 29 early treatment studies report a positive effect for use of hydroxychloroquine. Late treatment is less, less successful with only 71% of the 166 studies reporting a positive effect. 71% of 166 studies. That's still better than half, y'all. Very late stage treatment is not effective and may be harmful, especially when using excessive dosages. There is substantial evidence of bias. Now, this website also shows the media bias against using hydroxychloroquine. It said there was a substantial evidence of bias towards publishing negative results. 85% of prospective studies report positive effects and only 72% of retrospective studies, studies do. Studies from North America are 3.4 times more likely to report negative results than studies from the rest of the world combined. So that, I mean, come on, North America, what's up, right? Negative meta-analysis of HCQ generally choose a subset of trials focusing on late treatment, especially trials with very late treatment and excessive dosages. Um, while many treatments have some level of efficacy, they do not replace vaccines and other measures to avoid infection. Um, only 5% of HCQ studies show zero events in the treatment arm. So that's just some of the data that you could find there. Again, that is CQHC, I mean, C19HCQ.com if you're interested to find out what it is that they're talking there. It even goes into studies of like ivermectin and how that effective can be studies of um, what vitamin D. I mean, remember when, uh, when they said, when, well, when president Trump said, you know, like uh, um, it, it, the sun can kill it, like in temperatures of what above 80 degrees, it kills, you know, it kills COVID-19 and, and yet they wanted us all to stay inside and indoors throughout the entire summer with our masks on and, and in one room for one room per person. Like, it's just, it's insane guys. It's insane. So what was going on there? All right, let me see what I got next for you guys by way. Uh, this might just end up being like a, a COVID-19 episode. <laughs> I did have a couple more things. Let me see how we're doing for time because we're already what, at almost the top of the hour. All right, let's talk a little bit about Project Veritas. Now, this is going to be in the same vein, no pun intended, uh, as we are talking about with hydroxychloroquine and also with uh, the vaccines for for uh, COVID-19. Now, this has to do with, yet again, uh, Project Veritas strikes again, right? Uh, and this time they strike, um, they strike at Facebook. And uh, what Facebook was doing is we all know uh, that uh, Facebook, Twitter, all of the big tech, they definitely cracked down on people talking about uh, the elections and, and uh, conservative posts and they're doing it also with COVID-19. We saw that the entire thing with COVID-19, when people were saying it was a sham or a pandemic, they would cut them off, they would censor them. Now they're doing the same thing with vaccines, right? And the thing about it is this time, this time we had a whistleblower that got to Project Veritas with the information to go ahead and blow the whistle um, on what that uh, company organization, that pit of demons was doing to try and stifle the, uh, the voice of free speech, free thought, free opinion sharing in the public realm. So uh, um, in this uh, article from OAN Network, it said that Facebook whistleblower went public now. 
the name of this uh, whistleblower's name is Morgan Common. Uh, and he went undercover in a Project Veritas video and outlined Facebook's algorithm to drastically reduce user exposure to vaccine hesitancy in comments. So here we have them. Here we have Facebook uh, targeting comments and targeting posts about people who are hesitant about taking the vaccine. Um, the name of the program, if I have it here, is a uh, vaccine hesitancy comment demotion. So let me go ahead and expand that for you guys. Now this is one of the uh, this is one of the um, <clears throat> what do you call it? One of the documents that was leaked in regards to uh, Facebook censoring or or stifling or demoting any kind of comment that had to do with uh, taking the vaccines. Let me go and expand that a little bit so you can see it better. Now it's vaccine hesitancy comment demotion. Um, uh, and it says uh, the executive summary, what's the goal? Drastically reduce user exposure to vaccine hesitancy in comments. What is the product change? Utilize the existing V1 vaccine hesitancy classifier to demote comments on ranked comments, meaning that they are filtered from most relevant, but are still visible in other tabs. Example, they can still be seen in most recent comments. Uh, what are the benefits of this launch? Uh, VPVs on vaccine post English comments. Um, there's percentage rates. Projected impact. Okay, so that's some of the numbers. We won't go into the numbers. I talk about the cost, et cetera, uh, risks of the launch. Not all comments are actually vaccine hesitancy, but we'd align with health policy on the risk in the COVID lockdown decisions meeting two weeks ago. So however that is, uh, comments are a major surface relevant to our B2V efforts. Uh, we estimate that the prevalence of vaccine hesitancy comments in authoritative language, uh, sorry, authoritative health page is 25.3%, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one of the documents. Uh, let me see here. It says here that the data technician, uh, that's Morgan Common, who was the whistleblower here, said that this also includes cutting uh, likes, cutting out the likes on posts that highlight deaths from vaccines. The whistleblower also added this happens to a much larger extent than social media giants let on. Uh, the, goal of the, the goal of the framework is to identify and tier the categories of content that could discourage vaccination in certain contexts. <clears throat> Facebook also established a vac vaccine health hesitancy scoring system to establish numerical thresholds for certain comments and content. The company instituted tiers to describe the tone of certain posts, with some being categorized as sensational or alarmist or criticizing choice. The responses range from outright removal to comment demotions. One part of the document admits to demoting comments and reducing the rate of likes while conducting a test of 1.5% of the company's audience. Other posts discussing the unique double dose of certain vaccines were described as objective high and outlined a position change. An enforcement document obtained by one of the insiders showed Facebook's goals of reducing the distribution of comments seemingly skeptical of the COVID vaccination. So again, guys, you have to wonder, why are they getting involved in this? Like, why is this social media platform getting involved in this? It's because big tech seeks to censor and control the voice of many because they are doing the bidding of their masters. They are doing the bidding of those who own them or just the almighty dollar 
But uh, something tells me that when you get to the point that you're a billionaire, you're not so much concerned with money as you are with power, right? And that's what they really want. I think that's really what they're aiming for. Borderline vaccine framework goal. We aim to identify and tier the categories of non-violating content that could discourage vaccination in certain contexts thereby contributing to vaccine hesitancy or refusal. We have tiered these potential harm and how much context is required in order to evaluate harm. So there you go. That's another one of the documents. Here's uh, here's the vaccine, vaccine hesitancy poli policy. It says here, uh, violating COVID vaccine, uh, MNH and WDH or RFH, they want that removed. Uh, violating explicit vaccine discouragement or vaccine hesitancy sole purpose entities. They want that removed on escalation. So I'm guessing that's just depending on the amount or the type of the voice that's going into it. But yeah, so that's just some of it. Now, guys, I was going to share the video with you all, but in the interest of time, we're not going to do that. So I would encourage you to go to uh, projectveritas.com and you too can go ahead and see the video of the, uh, they have, it's a series of two or three, uh, two videos. Uh, they have the video, you can't really see the logo that well there. Hey, let me, let me go and bring up their logo. So uh, projectveritas.com, so you can go and check that out. But uh, the first video, it's about 20 plus minutes long. Um, they have, uh, they have the uh, whistleblower coming out and talking about uh, why he did it and, and what evidence he showed. And then in the second video, um, he actually comes out of the closet, so to speak, and uh, he reveals himself. He he uh, he gives his name. He shows his face because Facebook um, Facebook fires him at that point. And it's it's actually kind of funny. The first few minutes of the video, like um, James O'Keefe of Project Veritas, actually goes into the office where he's having this conference, of course, via computer and uh, asks the Facebook HR department there about what they're doing and they hang up on him. So you can go ahead and see that there as well. That just came out this past Memorial Day weekend, uh, yesterday or Saturday. So uh, go and check it out at projectveritas.com because we don't have time on the C report to go into it today. Otherwise, I would have. Um, so, all right, guys. So that's what I got for you guys on the Corona front, uh, the Corona COVID-19 front. Now we're going to do a little bit on election audits before we wrap up the show. Just some quick updates, nothing too lengthy. Uh, and because we got a little bit more for you guys tomorrow. Again, we're doing an audit of the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting popular over on Twitch with trolls. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. Glad you stopped in to give me some uh, give me some views over here. Keep my average high. I appreciate it. OK, let's talk first about Georgia. Uh, not a whole lot to say about Georgia, but what I do have to report, uh, this comes from Election Audit Watch Georgia, GA. Uh, there was some breaking news that an alarm was triggered at the secure building at the Fulton County, Georgia, where they're holding all of the absentee ballots. So uh, where they're storing these ballots, um, an alarm was triggered, and when they responded, they found that the building was left wide open with no one watching or keeping guard of the ballots. So that is a developing story, guys, and we'll see what happens there. But again, what just happened, uh, we had Judge Amaro say that, yes, we're going to go ahead and let you guys unseal the ballots so that this way you can take a 600 DPI image shot of the ballots to do further examination in y'all's own audit. And that was to voter GA that they were doing that for. Then on Friday, he put a halt 
he put a halt to them at being able to do that. So now they were no longer to, they were supposed to have gone on, uh, they were supposed to have met that morning at 10 a.m. to go ahead and begin working through this process. The voter GA and those who are affiliated with that, that's Garland, Favrito, and company. So they were going to do that. And then that morning, they went ahead and put a halt to that meeting. And it wasn't, they didn't put a halt to it entirely. They just had some other legal things that they had to work out. And again, this is the the essence of lawfare, right? Like they use as much litigation to bottleneck the process and to slow things down. We've seen it done time and time again. So that's what happened. And then over the weekend, over the weekend, someone broke into that secure building where those audits are being kept. The story is developing. Hopefully, we'll have more for it for you guys tomorrow to go ahead and go into. Now, let's talk about Arizona. Okay, so Arizona, uh, there's uh, not too, again, I mean, I say not too much going on, but again, they just hit a million ballots that have been audited over there in Arizona. So that's actually a pretty big milestone. Uh, I would think, what, two, was it maybe three to four weeks? I guess they can be complete with this process by the end of June. Um, And they're looking for an end June date, of course, then they'll have to get a report together with all of what they found, the analysis of all of the different type of audits that were being performed there. And for the trolls in the know that don't know, uh, you know, they are doing all types of audit there. Now, a lot of them are coming up with this like stupid story about uh, bamboo paper. Uh, Clearly, they're watching CNN and MSDNC. Clearly, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just repeating the talking points. And that's about all that they can run on. Right. But anyways, uh, we had a Arizona state senator by the name of Wendy Rogers. Wendy Rogers went into uh, Veterans Memorial Coliseum uh, on this past Thursday, and she took a tour of this um, audit that's taking place in Arizona, and she took some notes. Now, Senator Rogers is a retired United States Air Force lieutenant colonel, and she did confirm that the audit was dressed right. The media and Democrats like Katie Hobbs, Katie Schnobbs, are propagating fear and distrust in the process because they don't want the American people to know the truth about what they did in the state of Arizona. The audit picked up last week again with more tables and hundreds of more volunteers that were trained to fill those tables. And it was reported on Sunday that they hit the 1 million ballot mark. So good job to the auditors volunteering over there in the state of Arizona. You guys don't know what kind of uh, benefit you are giving to your brothers and sisters across this country as we wait to see how this um, audit will reflect the integrity of our vote in the 2020 election. Now, uh, here's some of the notes that she had taken. Uh, there was from 17 to tw- from 17 to 32 paper inspection tables using microscopic camera- cameras. That's for the forensics of it all. Uh, from 20 to 44 counting tables, uh, from 4 to 12 aggregation tables, and that the pace was picking up quickly every day. More phoretic audits are being uh, completed each day. And she wrote, theoretically, mail-in ballots should be um, of the same type, composition, and fiber with little to no variance. So if there are variances found, then there should be an explanation. If there is no explanation, then that would be considered a gap. So that would be a discrepancy that would need to be investigated as to why that is. Um, it says 703 precincts were considered down, were condensed down, pardon me, 
to 175 precincts, every precinct has different ballots. Thus, if your ballot was printed on demand, then the paper in those situations would legitimately vary. So here they're saying the absentee ballot ballots versus um, what they were doing at the precincts. If they had ballots printed on demand, of course, those are going to be different. Those are not going to be the same as what was mailed out. But any of the mail-in ballots should not vary in the type or fiber of paper. So again, you know, you have people throwing out all of this, all of these deterrents, all of their 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 wisdom from above, you know, from their MS and uh, MSDNC and their CNN or even their Fox. Okay, because at this point, Fox is also bad, no good to go. Uh, they still have good guests on from time to time, and they have one or two hosts that might actually try to say something that's a modicum of truth, but ultimately they're as compromised as uh, CNN and as is uh, MSDNC. But again, that's, that's the talking points of all of these people. They don't really have anything else. If you have been watching the C-Report from the jump, my friends, uh, my troll friends over at Twitch, then you would know we got our bases covered here. We, and my audience is smart. You might only see one over there, but I got, I don't know, over 200 standing behind me in other platforms. Okay, now it says, uh, we now do have the deleted base of O databases. So she also addresses the whole deleted databases. Um, and that, it, that again is that the media and even those in Maricopa County themselves are saying, oh, well, it's not that the databases were deleted. It's just that these unaccredited auditors don't know what they're doing. And then you have Katie Schnob saying that we're going to discontinue the use of the machines because they were probably uh, defiled by these unaccredited auditors, right? Unaccredited auditors, right? Now, here's something to say about Cypher. Cypher is the, the group that uh, recovered these deleted files because they, in fact, were deleted. They were deleted, deleted for a fact, and they recovered them. Okay, now you want to call Cypher an unaccredited auditor? Cypher has worked with um, um, election audits in the past, and Cypher has worked as a firm that has done work for the government of the United States of America as a contractor itself. Now, it said here, Cypher, who discovered and recovered this deleted data, is the same firm who discovered the June 2015 United States Government of Office and Personnel Management breach were SF-86 forms used for top security clearances were compromised. The bad guys had been infiltrated into the Office of Personnel Management for three years. Now, if you guys watched Shadowgate with us yesterday, then you know what story we're talking about here. Cypher's the one who found that out. We're talking about when those security clearances were compromised. Um, uh, in other words, they were hacked. Yeah, Cypher did that. So if you think Cypher has, you know, no standing to be doing this type of work and this type of audit, then you are most definitely wrong. Okay. All right. So um, they gave uh, they gave an example of the type of data that was recovered in these databases, the stuff that was deleted. Right. They gave an example. Now, this is not. This is, this is not what happened. This is not what was recovered, but this is an example of what type of information was recovered in this data. So it said, for example, ballot boxes have a pink slip that says 200 ballots were contained in the box. That's kind of like your chain of custody. You write it down, 200 ballots in the box, right? Okay, 
And there's only 99 physical ballots actually inside the box. There should be two cross-references to verify this. The Dominion machine should have the batch number corresponding to that group of ballots, and Dominion should also have the scanned images to similarly correlate those ballots. So if the pink slip says there's 200 ballots, then the Dominion machine should have the batch number that can correlate to that, and the Dominion machine should also have a scanned image of those ballots, equaling 200. But guess what? There's only 99 physical ballots in the box. That's the kind of data that was deleted. Are those actual numbers? No, those are hypothetical numbers. But that is what they're looking at from that deleted data. So Maricopa County BOS and everyone who was involved in that, I guess we'll find out what happens at the end in this report when it comes out to see uh, what those numbers really look like when tallied between the physical count and what they have inside of those Dominion machines. So we'll see what happens, guys. If you ask me, that is very exciting. And it's good to know it's helping us understand more what it is that they're looking for within that data that was deleted. Now, in regards to the Dominion machines being contaminated by unaccredited, uh, unaccredited auditors, Senator Rogers, pictured on the screen, said, contrary to the claims of Secretary Schnobbs, concern of contamination of the tabulator machines is completely baseless. Cypher operates, uh, Cypher's standard operating procedure for data collection is a read-only mode. So you guys know when your, your Word documents open up as read-only, you can't edit it. Okay, so that's the mode that Cypher works in when doing any of these type of technical audits. And as such, she says, nothing can be altered. So everything is also provable through video. So not only is Cypher working in read-only mode, they're recording themselves doing this. So you can see anything that they do, right? And whether or not they're going to mess into that. Um, so Dominion itself actually did decline an invitation to observe the Arizona audit, which I find quite interesting that they were even, um, that they were even uh, asked to attend this audit. Um, now, there's also some feedback on the floor from a volunteer who is also a retired United States Air Force pilot. And um, the, uh, the, uh, this volunteer uh, was speaking in regards to chain of custody procedures. Now, this is how tight they're running things down there in Arizona. Chain of custody procedures are as precise and flawless as strategic air commands procedures he said that signing off of authenticators' secrets was not as stringent as the Arizona audits process is for going to the bathroom. So a bathroom break for 10 minutes requires that they sign off. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Laughable at the Arizona State uh, Secretary, Secretary of State um, said her machines were compromised. Very laughable uh, when she initially said they were unhackable. So first thing, Secretary of State Schnaub says that they're not hackable. Then she says that they're compromised. She needs to make up her mind. <clears throat> All right. And the last bit of news I have in regards to, to, to the uh, audit of the uh, um, the audit of the vote there in Arizona. Uh, the Epoch, the Epoch Times reported that the Arizona State Senate is actually considering expanding the audit at Maricopa County. They're thinking of bringing in another party to do an imaging audit of the work that they are doing in Maricopa. So now not only will you have the Cyber Ninjas, Cypher, and those outfits who are doing this 
audit, but they're going to bring in a third opinion, maybe just to play it safe, someone from California. Uh, so this way, at the end of all this, when Katie Schnobs and the Democrats, the progressives, the communists over there in Arizona, and all of the lawyers from Perkins Coy decide to cry foul because uh, these are unaccredited auditors, they will have a third party there that will go ahead and consider what the work has been done. Um, and let me see here, the name of that, do I have a name of it? Citizens Oversight is the name of that outfit, and it's being ran by founder Ray Lutz. Um, and he describes an audit engine or set of computers to tabulate the results from each ballot for all contests before comparing numbers it generates with the official records. And again, this would just be for another level of transparency in regards to the audit that is happening now at Maricopa County, Arizona. And uh, yeah, so that's basically uh, the information that I have for you guys. Now, tomorrow, I will come back at you with some more information about, um, about the audit that's going on in New Hampshire. Because if you guys remember, I think it was at the head of the week last week, we did a complete rundown of this audit that went down in New Hampshire because it was like, what, three days until it was complete. The audit ended up being completed on the 27th. So tomorrow we'll take a look at what the audit found. We will also take a look more at um, the players, the auditors, whom they're connected with. Because guess what? When it comes to at least two of these auditors that the selectmen selected against the will of the people of New Hampshire, two of them are closely connected to Hoods Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, and also crying Chuck Schumer. His name pops up. So we're going to go ahead and talk about that. We'll talk a little bit more about Harry Hursty. He's the guy who actually invited the uh, the CEO of LHS Incorporated, the people who sold the uh, machines who works for Dominion to the greater Northeast. We're talking Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and Connecticut. They're all using the same machines. We'll see what they found. We'll see what they were looking at. And we'll see how they're trying to dodge a forensic audit of the state of New Hampshire by showing what they did in their report. So make sure you guys tune in tomorrow if you want to know about that. All right. Now, it looks like we had a pretty active chat over at the Foxhole today. I thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I didn't get to thank the gold pills coming in today, but don't worry, guys. We'll, we'll take care of it in our chat recap. I do thank those of you who sent and donated gold pills to the Sea Report this afternoon. Very greatly appreciated. But now, before we go, and if any of you over at Twitch or at DLive want to know what I'm talking about, go over to the foxhole.app and uh, participate in this gold pill event. It's quite fun. It's quite momentous. Looks like we had quite a few coming in today. Thanks, guys. I'll recap that tomorrow. Again, thank you so much. Thank you so much to Day Tripper, and thank you so much to um, to Liz Garcia. I appreciate uh, the, those donations that you guys sent my way today. But now it is time to release the lotto ticket. All right, we're going to release the scratch off, guys. Happy scratching. Thanks again. All right. The lotto ticket has been released. Have fun with that. And thank you again for every for your support over here to the Mr. CTV channel at the Foxhole app. All right, guys. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day um, afternoon. And again, thank you to the families of those who have fallen for being there uh, and, and for, for, you know, 
being part of that big sacrifice and, and allowing us to continue doing what we're doing here in America and, um, and to continue being who we want to be. Uh, that sacrifice is not unappreciated. And uh, we thank you again, guys. We thank you again, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We will see you again. Thanks for tuning in to the Sea Report. And um, again, have a great rest of your Memorial Day uh, and a great rest of your evening. We'll see you tomorrow.